The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, joined by Mark Immelman for the round two recap of the 3M Open. Uh, and today, we're on YouTube. So hello, YouTube. And if, if, you're, uh, if, if you're not watching, make sure you jump on over there. Be sure to give uh, subscribe and watch us regularly over there. And by the way, Mark, I haven't told you this, but we may have some exclusive content coming over there next week. So if, you're our, if you are there, you'll get a chance to see Mark's COVID-friendly mask. But Mark, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thanks, bro. It's been a while since I've been on you, but it's nice to be uh, nice to be with you again. It's been a fun event to cover so far. I've got to be honest. So, what do you make so far? We got a we got an interesting leaderboard. Okay, we have Richie Wierenski, which, if you heard last night, um, I, I'm going to harp on him pretty much all week as he was my sleeper. So, and and you weren't involved, so this is a little more friendly. That there's no ambushes tonight on that. But Rich, Richie's hanging around, which is great to see. Uh, Michael Thompson right there in second. We got Tony Finau and Matthew Wolf in the mix as well. Uh, what did you make of the golf course and what did you make of our, our leaders today? Well, the golf course is great and typically it rewards bombers. And we've seen that obviously in years, well, last year with Matthew Wolf coming through and a few of the big hitters taking advantage. But, you know, you look at the leaderboard right now on a receptive golf course and it's a little eclectic, the leaderboard, really. I mean, Michael Thompson's not the longest guy in the world. Wierenski isn't either. Finau can bomb. We know this. Taylor Gooch is sneaky long and zigzag zang is not the longest. So it looks like it's just rewarding precise play. If you put the ball in play off the tee, you're going to be able to attack these receptive greens. And, and the greens are gigantic. I mean, so it's easy to hit greens in regulation, but you've got to hit them to quadrants. So as a result... Distance control, I think, with the irons is crucial. So it's a real it's a real interesting mix of players up on the leaderboard, and it's obviously folks that are playing well. Now, you look at a guy like uh, Richie Wierenski, and he's looking for his first win, and this is his 99th career start on the PGA Tour. And he has had some close calls, tied second at the 2018 Barbasol Championship, tied third at the Mayakoba Golf Classic in 2018, and the first event of this wraparound season, he was tied third at the Greenbrier. So he's a player who has popped up and gotten himself into contention a number of times when you looked at his round from today, what did you see? And do you think that he has the makeup to contend going forward? Well, hold on. Before we ask me, what, I, I need to ask you, what did you see in Richie Wierenski to make him a sleeper for this week? Well, this is the kind of week, as, as I just read off, a couple of those pop-up events, right, where he, he plays really well and he contends. And when he sniffs the lead, he, he has a, a knack for getting in contention. And I don't think he's afraid of, um, of going out there and performing over the weekend. Now, this year so far, um, 
in the since the restart, he's made four straight cuts, and he's basically he's had a, a round that has held him back. He shot a seventy-two, he shot a seventy-four, in, in like that Saturday round where it moves him out of immediate contention. So I saw a player who was playing really well, who was having a round that kind of held him back. And when you have scores the way we've had scores, and he didn't play in the Memorial, so all the events before the Memorial, I mean, guys are going really low. And if you shoot 71, I mean, you're losing 30 spots. And all of a sudden, you can go from a top 10 to a 30th because of one round. And eventually, a guy who's gaining confidence like that is going gonna, is gonna to start to play well. Well, what I see probably wouldn't fly very well with our compatriots, both uh, Kyle and Rick, because you know they strokes gain ball striking junkies. But Oh, yeah. I've seen a guy here who's who's been solid throughout the bag, but he's allowed his putter to become the superstar. You know, he's he's putting the ball in play off the tee. He's putting the ball in the right spots in the greens. Um, nothing really spectacular, but he's setting up his strength. And he's always been a sound putter, but this week he's got the greens dialed in in a big way. I mean, the guy's made just a country mile worth of putts through two rounds. And so uh, it looks to me like he's playing to his strengths, which – obviously is, is, is for me something to look out for for PGA Tour players because the person who doesn't win very often when they get themselves into contention, oftentimes they try and do things differently. But Rich, Richie's just confident enough with himself to say, okay, well, I'm a decent driver of the ball. I'm not going to blow you away with length. I'm a decent iron player, but you know, I'm not Colin Marikawa or Tiger Woods, but I'm just going to piece that stuff together to give my putter a chance and and he has been like a banshee on the greens man yeah it's been really great to see um, another player mark who's been also great on the greens is michael thompson and he is second in strokes gain on the greens he's gained four and a half shots putting um second as i said for the field it's interesting the top three players are uh ex- well the, with the exception of tony finau yeah, I'm st- I got to I got to look at that again. Earlier I was looking the the top 3 players were the top 3 players in strokes game putting as well, which as Kyle and Rick would say is a problem. When you look at Michael Thompson, are you seeing the same thing? Do you think it's a problem that he's putting so well? Does he have anything to worry about going forward or is this, this sustainable? No, he, he's a proven winner and he's won a, you know, run some tough venues. I, I think of the Honda Classic at PGA National where you can't be a scrub from T through green and still win over there because of holes like the bear trap and such. And, and you play in these cross wins, which we saw a little today of, but the thing about Thompson, I caught up with his golf swing instructor, Justin Parsons, who works down there in sea Island. And he and Michael have just been working towards, towards what Michael said his college coach used to say to him, which was just to play Michael Thompson golf, you know, cause when he was in college, you hit the sliding fade and sometimes it would overcut, but it would never go left. Then he worked with a guy for a while, and they neatened up his swing. They improved the, uh, the, the, the angle of the shaft coming down and all this fancy stuff. And he hit the ball better, but he didn't, that didn't correlate to better scores. So now he's just got back to what he does well, and what he does well is putt. And he actually acknowledged this in some post-round comments after the first round. So he's doing Michael Thompson. And, and, and if you're true to yourself – you're going to be successful. Now, is that necessarily a win? Who knows? But you, you, you're not going to win if you don't get yourself into contention, and he's doing all the right things right now. 
It is, you know, you mentioned how difficult it is to win on the PGA Tour, um, and it's especially difficult to keep up putting like this. I mean, the, the putts that, that these two players have made, Michael Thompson and Richie Wierenski, have been fantastic, as you said. So while they're great putters, this is where I kind of, I, I toe the line between what Kyle and Rick say, what they kind of hang on to, and more along the lines of what you say, I kind of find myself on the fence because you have a Richie Wierenski and a Michael Thompson who their, their fingerprint as a player is they putt really well. So why would you hold that against them when they are putting really well and say, and use that as a prediction of why they're not going to play well tomorrow? There's part of it that doesn't make sense. The other thing that I see with these players is it's not like, um, especially in the case of Michael Thompson, it's not like he's leaning only on the putter. He's putting great. That's why he's tied for the lead. But, I mean, he's hit 32 of 36 greens for the week, right? He's gained five, he's gained over five shots putting. Uh, I'm sorry, five strokes gained on um, 5.6 approaching the green. So he's hitting the ball really well, too. And I think that's going to be a big advantage. To that, if I might just real fast. Yeah. Receptive greens will kind of mitigate ball striking a little. If you get really firm, fast conditions like we saw at the Memorial the ball strikers will come to the fore. You saw that with John Rahm. But in a place where the greens are receptive and the ball sort of sticks where it lands, you don't have to strike the ball that flush to really grab purchase on the thing and have it stop close to your distance. So, so, so it, it, to me, oftentimes, receptive conditions, everyone talks about, about it being a birdie fest. I more see it leveling the playing field a little bit more. You also don't have to be the expert chipper because the expert chipper is able to spin the ball, grip the ball, flat the ball, all this sort of stuff. But on receptive greens, you can say, okay, what's going to dig in and then release. So, you know, the skill of it isn't taken away, but it certainly does even the playing field some. So, so conditions like this, if they do get some more rain, I think we'll kind of even the playing field. Yeah, it evens it out for the guys that are playing really well. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily – there's still a skill set required. You still see guys shooting – you see Dustin Johnson shoot 78, right? And then maybe there's something wrong with an injury there. But point being, there's still skill required, and there's a, a big difference in scores from players who are playing well and players who are not. But I definitely – um, I definitely see your point there, but Mark, another player who is playing really well, who I got to get your take on is Tony Fino. And Tony Fino is a player I wasn't overly high on this week simply because of the emotion of last weekend. And last weekend at the Memorial was not an easy one to watch, especially if you're a Tony Fino fan. This week, leading the field and strokes gain approach the green, leading the field strokes gain tee to green. Um, as, as Jacob has here on the rundown, he's hitting... 90% of nearly 90% of his green. So it's extremely impressive from your point of view. What are you seeing from Tony fee now? Is this the week that he breaks through? Well, we're 36 holes in, but right now, if I was picking someone, I would say, if you stay in front of Tony fee now, you likely to lift the trophy. And, and the thing that jumps out to me is, is one, the control that he's playing with and two, how, you know, every great professional to me can put a hiccup behind them pretty fast and keep looking forward. Tiger Woods was a master at staying forward. He never looked behind very much. And Finau, obviously, has gotten over the misstep last weekend. But if you look at the iron striking numbers, the key to this place is to keep the ball out of the water, drive it long if you can, and then hit the ball to these quadrants on the greens. And through two rounds, proximity-wise, he's averaging like 22 feet 
which is unheard of. I mean, this is insanity. Most folks will be like, well, that's not very good. The average on a PGA Tour is somewhere in 30, the 30-foot 30 range, 32 feet or so on average. Overall proximity may even be higher than that. So, so yeah. I mean, here's a guy who's hit 32 of 36 greens. He's putting from inside 25 feet every single time. So he's stacking the odds in his favor. And the putting stroke looks like it can stand the test of pressure. He's got this method he's went to with the clubs that are locked in the wrist a bit. That left wrist is sort of deviated a bit to just stabilize things. And and the stroke looks smooth. The golf swing looks smooth. I mean, he's got Coach Boyd summarized on the bag, and it looks – I made the point this morning um, to someone that he obviously – this is Finau, of course – has identified that something's not right. And he's been in contention this much and hasn't won more. And when the player starts thinking like that, if they've exhausted all of the things that they can take care of, golf swing-wise, putting-wise, physical stuff, mental stuff, then they start to look at the folks around them. They're like, and it goes caddy, coach, agent, wife. You know, sort of how the thing goes a little bit. <laughs> I, I tell the last one, but sometimes you see this happen. And he got rid of Greg Bodine, his longtime caddy. So this tells me that Fina is looking around. And now his coach Boyd isn't going to be on the bag full time, but there must be an itch that he's trying to scratch right now. Yeah, he, well, you know, you talk about like other sports, right? Yeah. Players in other sports uh, or teams in other sports, owners, they have a lot of places they can look. When, when the team isn't winning, they can, let's take football, for example, they can fire the quarterback right they can fire the offensive or defensive coordinator they can fire the head coach in the game of golf as a player you're kind of limited in who you can you're not going to fire yourself you certainly can't get rid of yourself so you're kind of looking at your coach or your caddy and to get a fresh voice in there I mean he's clearly happy with his game he's happy with the place that he's put himself in and there's there's some sort of disconnect when he gets to when, when he gets himself in contention close to the lead and sometimes a fresh voice is all you need so I, you know it's nothing against his caddy necessarily just change can be good sometimes i'm a, a recovering pga tour golf instructor yeah i've long called it the carousel that is the pga tour because you here this morning and you've gone this afternoon because everyone's looking around and it's in again out again in again out again and you see Players will fire a coach and then end up back with a coach. And it's just this moving around because they're looking for that fresh voice that you reference. Yeah, they're just, you, you, you sometimes need to find a fresh edge. So I got to ask you, I'm going to just ask the question Is this the week for Tony Fino or <laughs> are, you, are you not quite sure? Uh, everything is pointing in that direction. Uh, it's just the game looks sound, but for me, the, the level of comfortability looks sound. And unlike yeah. last week where the conditions were so hard that you could hit a decent shot that was on the edge that lips out and you've got five feet coming back or you can hit a ball in the rough and hit a flyer over the green and all of a sudden that turns disastrous. Where here, if you keep the ball out of the water, you can just sort of paper cut yourself a little bit, make the odd bogey. But Fina's got the guns to get to all the par fives and two. And, and there's nothing really that carries a big fright factor about it around this golf course. So from that point of view, I, I do really like his chances right now. On William Hill, he is plus 250. I mean, these are, uh, you know, Vegas definitely calling him the favorite to win. And I think if you look at the statistical breakdown, um, he is probably has the, the most 
the one you're the most comfortable with. He's hitting the ball the best of anybody near the lead. Um, so it's definitely, I mean, I agree with you, Mark, all signs point to him. And since I have uh, some, you know, Richie Wierenski investments, I think, <laughs> I think Tony Fino would be my hedge for sure. Um, mm. But, but let's move on to a player who is almost in a strange way, kind of the forgotten guy here. And he's the defending champ, Matthew Wolf. Um, his play has been in- incredibly impressive to me so far as I look just one bogey back in, in the first round. Um, and, and it was on his second hole of the day and he hasn't made a bogey since he's playing some beautiful, beautiful golf. Um, but he's another one of those guys that's really getting the job done on the greens. He's third in strokes game putting for the week, uh, <laughs> 12th, 12th approaching the green and it, you know, 70th off the tee, which is typically his strength. So I find that a little interesting. What do you make of Matthew Wolf and his first ever title defense? Hey, horses for courses. I mean, this is a thing on the tour. The, the one thing you'll hear me saying all of the time, and it probably becomes nauseating, but, but if a guy gets to a course where the place fits his eye, the game will probably show its score-wise. And then if you get back to a place where you've had success, it also brings that sense of comfort about it. Because the big thing always in a non, in a, in, in an, an element that you can't necessarily measure is just the unease about the future. You know, because that causes doubt. And doubt, for me, wrecks a golf swing as badly as anything. So if you come to a place where you've had success, the doubt is gone. You, you know the lines off the tee. You know the speeds and the greens. You, you, you can get to a place like the 18th where you've made a putt to win. That does worlds for what you feel like deep down inside, those immeasurables, you know? And so, yeah. so, so for Wolf, who's been playing okay coming in here, I mean, he was runner-up in Detroit, um, played nicely last week under difficult conditions at, uh, at the Memorial. I think he's just freewheeling. And if you got, get yeah. a guy free-swinging and freewheeling, especially if you – a talent like him, I mean, good scores are almost inevitable. I'm, I'm extremely impressed with him. And I, I got a couple of stats here for you. He would be, with a win this week, the second uh, – I'm sorry. He Well, yeah, I guess he'd be the second youngest uh, two-time winner on the PGA Tour. And that's – the he is the youngest winner since Tiger. And he would also be the youngest to win the same PGA Tour event in back-to-back years since – you'll like this, Mark. John McDermott at the 1911 and 1912 U.S. Open. So this would definitely be a, a, a rather impressive feat. John, Johnny McDermott, two U.S. Opens in a row. That's no mean feat. Yeah, when he was like 21 years old. So quite a, uh, quite impressive. Now, a couple other players this week that did not have the same success as the players we just mentioned, including Brooks Kepka. We got some news from Tiger Woods that we're not extremely uh, happy about. And we're going to put, you know, we're going to put some names out there of guys that, that we think are going to have a great third round. We're going to get to all of that. But first, we got to take a break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. 
Okay, Mark, we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the players at the top of the leaderboard, but unfortunately, there are a couple of players uh, who are not necessarily in the best form, um, headlined by Brooks Kepka. And Brooks Kepka, who seems to be struggling with a little bit of a knee injury, he misses the cut by one. But as an, another one of producer Jacob's uh, statistics here, third in the field in strokes gained off the tee and ninth tee to green. Oh, did, what did you see? What did you see from him? And did you think did you think that the the trouble was on the greens, or did you think the do you think these statistics may be misleading us? If you're watching the YouTube, you'll see me waving my hands around the place. Yeah. Now this this is when I kind of wish the other two guys would be here because this is a proof that driving the ball well off the tee is not the be all and end all. It's going to help you to shoot lower, but it doesn't guarantee anything. And and, and golf is about constructing a score. Golf is about assembling around a golf. Golf is about kind of, you know, playing the hot hand when it's there and, and playing defense and smarts when it's not going on. And, and it's this, this, this dance with form and confidence and shot selection and all this kind of thing. And in the end, you may as well sign checks with your putter. That's how it works, okay? Yes, if you drive it, typically I've always said the best ball, the, the best ball striker in the field who puts the best is the guy who's going to probably win. And, and a putter is, it, it fixes a number of great ills, especially some errant ball striking, but you have to put it to shoot low and to make birdies, especially at a place like this where it looks like 20 under or more is probably going to, is what it's going to take. And for Brooks, I just, I'm, I'm unconvinced right now. Yeah, the numbers were better, but I, I sort of saw a guy who set up to hit a few fades and pulled them. And then I saw a guy who the, the distance control on wedges was standard to say the best, to, to say the least. And, and that's kind of how you make hay if you're a bomber. And if so you can't control the driver, it's not one directional. And then you're not hitting wedges right, you're going to battle. And then everyone will point to the putter statistically. And look, I saw him missing putts and I know the feeling – you do too of when you start missing four and five footers, that hole looks like it's the size of a thimble. Okay. And that flows through the rest of the game. So I, I, I'm just not sure right now. I really am. He didn't, it didn't look awfully convincing to me, to be honest. Yeah, I certainly have questions and you know, some of them are, okay. We have a player who's been battling an injury for a very long time. Uh, it's, a, a nagging injury that just it, it seems to continue to it seems that, that he struggles when he's walking on hills it seems to get aggravated on hilly golf courses there's one golf course that uh that brooks at the beginning of the year was probably a, a favorite to win that's extremely hilly mm. and uh and, and we're headed there in november so I, I definitely have some concerns from that standpoint and the other concerning thing is if it's injury that's one thing, but now we, we have an injury, so that's making our game suffer. But is that what's going to make the putting stroke suffer? What like where are we? Is is it? Do you think, Mark? I'm asking. Do you think he has to get um like is it taking away his practice time because of a knee injury? Is he spending too much time rehabbing it so he can't practice putting? Is that maybe where the putting woes come from? Well, he said as much that he's had his trainer out with him and they're, they're working on it and the knee felt better uh, after Sunday. And you're right, Muirfield Village was a big walk and a difficult walk. I think we'll get the real barometer on where Kepka's game is after next week. Uh, a place uh, in TPC Southwind in Memphis where it's been a great place for him. 
the golf yeah. course is his eye. You know, he plays well there. He's part of the greens well. He's had success. He's won. Last um, year. Yeah, he's the defending champion. Exactly. So, so I think that's a real – that'll be when I certainly – because I said it looked unconvincing, but I don't know what he's feeling inside. I haven't got to ask him anything. But I know, having called him a few times in Memphis, that this place for him is like putting on an old shoe. And if he gets there and he plays badly, I think that'll answer a bunch of, bunch of questions for us. Well, unfortunately, uh, we are not going to be able to answer questions about uh, another individual who we have probably more questions about than anybody else, and it's Tiger Woods. And Tiger has announced that he will not be playing uh, in, in the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational next week in Memphis. What do you think this makes of his chances at the PGA? Do you think he needs this rep? Do you think there's a chance that um, that he, he would ever miss the PGA even? I know that may sound crazy, but what do you think this means? Who knows? I mean, beginning of this uh, the pandemic, I was prophesying that Tiger was going to come back in one of the first few events. Then he was sailing up the coastline and everyone thought that RBC was going to be a thing and it, it never happened. So, you know, I'm, un, I'm also unsure with Tiger, but I do find it curious that he's not playing in Memphis. Now, I've thought about this and actually spoke to Nick Fowler because we looked – at the forecast or the weather right now in San Francisco was like in the mid sixties and, and it's a damp cold there. And for someone with an ailing back, that's not a happy spot to be. So I'm wondering if it's, this is just a little extra rest, you know, just practice at home where he's comfortable and go into San Francisco for the PGA as fresh as he could be. But all that being said, Memphis is going to be hot as Hades. So if you've got a tight back, it's the best place to go and play because it'll keep you loose. So I, 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 I couldn't begin to offer anything concrete on the decision-making. It doesn't make any sense to me, given that from when we've come back to the first major championship, he's got four rounds under pressure played, just four. Yeah, and it makes a big deal. And when we get into uh, golf tournaments, like I don't know if this is going to be a golf tournament that's like the um, – the Zozo, for instance, right? The Zozo, I don't think that golf course is a major championship type golf course. So there's definitely some concerns that I have. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what he's able to do. So go ahead. I was there for the media day for the PGA at Harding Park right off to Pebble Beach, which was early in the year. And that rough there was punitive then. That stuff is going to be like ankle high, wet, dense. It's going to be challenging. And that place, again, in the cold, golf ball won't be traveling real hard. So it's going to really lend itself to someone who can bust it off the tee and hit it straight. And uh, The Poe Annio Greens, he's had success in that stuff there. But, but, but it's going to be a, a, a test that people won't be used to seeing at this time of the year. Because ordinarily this time of the year, we're on the East Coast somewhere playing on either champion Bermuda greens or bent somewhere, not Poanio in the, in the cold, in cool, moist conditions. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a, it's a great point. So very uh, interested to see what happens. Obviously hoping that, um, that this is the right decision and I trust him. I trust that he knows how to get prepared, but we'll see what happens. So it wasn't great at the Memorial. Hopefully it turns out better uh, in San Francisco. All right, Mark, let's get to some plays and fades for the weekend. Is there anyone you're looking at um, out, out there this week so far who's maybe you think is going to have a better, uh, better Saturday than they did Friday? Uh, you know what? I, 
I've I've always loved Cameron Davis's game. Uh, Ooh, you know, yeah. won Australian Australian Open as a young man. Um, came in yeah through the Corn Ferry Tour, so you know he's galvanized what he does in in a place where you've got to shoot low. Let's be honest, the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, you've got to shoot more than 16, 17 under every week if you want to contend. So, so I'm looking at a guy here who shot 77 and 76, um, and he's sort of in that mindset of going low, and, and he's an impressive guy. He's powerful. So the game sort of fits, and, and I'm keen to see how he moves over the weekend. But I would say if I was going to have a bit of a flutter, I'd put a little something on Cameron Davis. Yeah, and I, I, the guy that I'm looking at here is, um, is Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is a guy we haven't seen a lot of um, lately. We haven't seen him contend a lot lately. He shot one under par today, which, um, you know, I mean, for the week, he's fourth in strokes gain approach the green, which I think is going to be very important. And he's still positive on the greens, but he's only gained 1.6 strokes on the greens. He's 44th in the field. I think he can improve on that tomorrow. And uh, is a player with when you get into those receptive conditions and it gets a little softer, his disadvantage in the distance is almost mitigated because the ball is going to stop on the greens a little bit sooner. So he's definitely a player that I'm looking at. And I, I mean, we usually don't go as high as we do, but like Tony Fina is a guy I'm definitely riding mm-hmm. high on. Um, so w- what are your thoughts? Uh, look, I, I like Fina. I, I believe that if you're in front of him, you're going to contend. Um, but but you got to you got to consider Matthew Wolf too. Yeah, the way he's playing, he's obviously confident. He's got that swagger about him, um, and the birdie production is off the charts. And he's putting well. And we know he can drive it, and I love the way he hits wedges. So I'm basically saying that this guy can do it all, and he's at a place where he's won. So I've got my own Wolf over the weekend as well. Do you think uh, you, do you have any fades? Anybody? At least maybe not for the entire weekend, but maybe for tomorrow that you're that you're thinking of fading for tomorrow? <laughs> you know what? I hadn't even considered that. Because um, I, I have a sense that even though they're in the last group, I feel like Thompson and Richie Wierenski will, will hang around a little bit. I don't think they're going to go away. Um, in terms of fading someone, I, 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 I don't want to say this because I'm so excited to see a 45-year-old Bo Van Pelt who's battled yeah. in the book. You know, play well, have a hole in one on my hole, which was a thrill on Thursday. Um, I, I, I'd love to see him continue, but right now, you know, battling those injuries, four rounds is a long time, and he hasn't played four rounds. I think he's only made the cut like four times in 13 events played this year. So I, I don't want to say I'm fading Bo, but I do. I, I'm looking out for that. He was he was definitely the uh, the first guy on my list as well, and it's con- it's a little concerning. You haven't been there in a while, and all of a sudden you get into contention on the weekend, and things can happen a little quickly. Even though you have a career that's been pretty successful, so uh, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens from that standpoint. Another guy that you may want to fade is uh, Arjun Atwal. Arjun Atwal has gained a um, a lot putting, and this is the model, right? Your favorite model. Um, so he's gained 3.34 putting, and he's lost 2.21 tee to green. So he may be a guy that you fade. Um, so wait a second, I've just I've just looked at the rundown. Uh, you know me in the rundown, and I see. Yeah. Okay, I see Chris Baker. No, yeah. Look, um, I'd, I'd be guessing if I gave you an answer over there. <laughs> so I'll, I'll lay yeah, out. Yeah, I, under, I understand. Like, I mean, Chris Baker. 
is Chris Baker going to turn the putter around? I mean, he lost 2.59 strokes game putting, but what's to say that that's going to change tomorrow? Like, I, I don't know about Chris Baker's average. and So you don't want to look at guys that are putting bad and just say, oh, well, they're going to play great tomorrow because they have to putt better. That's not necessarily true. So, um, you know, I, I do think that a little bit of the eye test, a little bit of feel is important, but it is concerning, especially from the fade perspective. When you see a guy just go crazy like Arjun Atwal with the putter who doesn't really hit it very well, that can definitely be concerning. He's won before on the PGA Tour. It's true. It's yeah. true. And he could do it again. So I know, Mark, um, it's tough to get you to commit to a fade because you, you're you around these guys, right? You know how good they are and understand it. And, you know, you're right for it because they can all, like, they're really good players, every single one of them. So, it, it, But it'll be interesting to see. Mark, thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks, brother. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the time with, uh, with your family. Uh, enjoy a, a nice glass of wine. Maybe have an extra one for me. That is Mark Immelman. You can find him on Twitter at Mark, Immel, Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can find me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That's all we have for you today. Uh, make sure you, you join us again tomorrow night after round three.